0: So I was wearing a BR headset, I had these gloves on. Look looked down at my hand and I see that there's a spider crawling over it. And what blew my mind there is that I felt the spider before I saw it.
1: Oh, wow!
2: He said, there, my handicap doesn't matter and I can be whoever I want to be. Basically, that gaming is more than games.
1: More than just trivial pursuits. You put on a tiny little hat on the cockroach and then you can control the cockroach's movement with your mind.
2: I'll be honest. I feel kind of terrified, but very excited.
1: Hello, and welcome to this podcast about technology and 5G. Brought to you today from Samsung KX in Kings Cross, with me, Hannah Fry, and my co-host Susie Ruffle, who at the moment is nowhere to be seen. Hi, hey, I'm Hannah. Are you. Are you wearing your VR headset, Susie? Yep. You can't see where you're going. I haven't
2: taken it off all
1: weekend. Susie? Yep. We need to record a podcast.
2: No, thing is, I've only just become a Jedi.
1: You're not a Jedi.
2: I am a Jedi. No,
1: you're an idiot. Sit down, we need to record this podcast. <gasps> what? All right, welcome to Whatever Next. I'm sure it's going to come as no surprise to anybody that this week we are taking on gaming. We are indeed, and I've got right
2: into it. I've got a VR headset... It's so good. Like, I'm not even messing about now. It's like, I'm amazed how much I love it. Yeah. I'm, 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 like, I'm being a Jedi 24-7. Are you generally a bit of a gamer? No, the last time I had any kind of console was a Game Boy.
1: They said it wasn't humanly possible. All the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable. It's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Now you're playing with power. Portable power. Outrageous.
2: Now you're playing with portable power.
1: Does that take you back to your youth?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really liked my Game Boy. was quite into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel a bit embarrassed telling you this. I was playing this weekend, and I was working on my Jedi skills, and I was probably playing for about 45 minutes and about the half an hour mark, I was immersed. I was right in there. I was totally believing everything I was seeing. I was really feeling it. I was really enjoying it. Every time I looked down, it felt real. It looked like they were my legs. It it was my lightsaber. And I was practicing some of my skills and I was fighting with someone and then Darth Vader came up behind me and the thing is, he is massive. He's huge. Okay, He came up and he made me jump (laughs) and I turned to the stormtrooper next to me And apologised. That's how in the game I was.
1: Fully immersive experience.
2: Fully immersive experience. Yeah. I'm apologising to a (laughs) stormtrooper. So Hannah, as you know, I'm getting pretty into gaming now, but I've invited someone in today who
1: knows even
2: more about gaming than me. Is
1: such a thing possible? Well,
2: I wondered, but I think I might have found someone (laughs) just about. I have invited Luke Harrison, who is from Verizon Media. Hello, Luke.
0: Hiya. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I'm a creative technologist on Riot Studio, part of Verizon Media. And Riot is all about immersive storytelling. So part of my job is to look into emerging technologies and see how we can use those as part of either storytelling or advertising campaigns. So that's things like augmented reality, virtual reality, smart stage and beyond. And of course, what can we do with 5G? What new experiences can we give people using that as a technology?
1: So, okay, VR has been around for a little while.
0: What are the new things that are around the corner? What are the innovations that are happening right now? So I think that the biggest one is that the cable has been taken off of the VR headset. And I think that the biggest impact that 5G is going to have on VR is the hardware itself. They have the room to be slimmer. And the way that that can happen is when the computing of the VR experience is done on the cloud, it's rendered in offsite rather than on the local hardware. So all of the, the bits inside the headset, they can potentially be downscaled. They don't need to be as powerful because some of that heavy lifting can be done over a 5G connection. I mean, there's a lot of words there, and I understand what each of them means separately.
1: <laughs> oh, I understood all of that. Okay, let me, let me make sure I understand this then. Is the idea that you create a better connection between the thing that you're wearing and a really grunty, powerful engine just behind the scenes that you can't see so that you can do more with a smaller device?
0: Yeah, so it's, you can have a much richer experience sort of, in terms of graphical quality and what's going on in the VR world. Because if that is rendered through a computer somewhere else, it's got a little bit of lag. Like in VR, that's it's really noticeable, but 5G potentially can solve that issue by being able to stream and that And all in. of this
1: means worlds that you can explore in virtual reality that are more realistic,
0: richer, more interactive, and just bigger. Yeah, so bigger worlds than the hardware itself can do. If you think about the mobile device, if you're playing a game that's installed on it, you're limited to the power that that device can give you. But if you're streaming it in, like what you're streaming it in from can be much more powerful than what you've essentially got is just a screen. And it's a similar thing for VR. Do you see VR
2: becoming more immersive because of this?
0: I think so. VR is at the point now where it's a lot more accessible and that's letting people re-experience VR. So for many, the first time that they experienced VR, it was with the headset, the cable, the PC, the trackers, all of that sort of stuff that you need to have just a VR experience. But now I can hand a VR headset to my parents. They put it on and they get it. And it's amazing to see that first-time VR experience.
1: But there's more to come in all of this. I mean, at the moment with VR, it's just sort of sound and sight. But there are other senses that we can tap into as well.
0: Yeah, so I think the big one that's going to be coming up is, is haptics. The controller will vibrate in your hand, but it does it in such a way that you can feel the tension of a bow as you're kind of drawing it to fire an arrow. Or so as you're driving a car, you can kind of feel the road under your fingers through the triggers. You can have that immersive experience as you're playing, which is not just great for an immersive gaming experience, but also for accessibility as well. If you are visually impaired, you can still have a really good game experience because you can feel what's going on in the screen.
2: That's amazing. Okay, so I was reading about haptic feedback and I got quite excited about it and I started referring
1: to it as an internet vest. The idea of an internet vest, I just... I just love calling just it pop, an internet vest. Pop,
0: pop it on under Well, your you just jumper. pop on your internet bit, vest, and then up, you right. can
1: feel
2: people shooting at you.
0: You've got the right idea to feel where you've been shot from. It'll tell you to turn left or right, which will help you so much in the game. It's that sort of fast response. I've been hit from the left, I turn to the left. Over time, I think, as seen in any technology, they get smaller and sort of more discreet. I think a lot of the haptic stuff will be in the device itself. Again, because you've got a mobile device and you're going to have a game controller, I think that's where we'll first see haptics coming into, and then it goes into potentially wearables. So you've got AR wearables, which are glasses that you can wear that give you an AR experience.
2: OK, so can you tell me a little bit more about those? What does that do? Do they just look like normal glasses rather than like a headset?
0: That's the goal, is no, that right. sort of AR wearables are going to look just as trendy as normal glasses. Like that's the dream. So AR now, if you want to do an AR experience... You have to hold up a device, and it's all great. You can see something on the table in front of you, but one of your hands is taken up by holding just the phone, just holding it. But with AR wearables, what you'll be able to do is look at it on the table and then freely interact with your hands. So the AR wearables will detect where your hands are, so it knows when your hand is in the space that that AR object is, so you can interact with it.
1: But then will we get to a stage where maybe you're wearing gloves, haptic gloves? You've got the glasses on, so in your entire field of vision, there
0: is an object on the table. You put the gloves on, you reach out, and it almost feels like you can touch it. There are technologies like that exist. I've used them, and my experience with that, when I was putting the glove on, I felt like Tony Stark, sort of this Iron Man experience. <laughs> we was doing a demo where you had a, so I was wearing a VR headset, I had these gloves on, and I could look down at my hand and I see that there's a spider crawling over it. And what kind of blew my mind there is that I felt the spider before I saw it.
1: Oh Oh,
2: wow
0: (laughs) Yeah. So thankfully I'm I'm not too scared of spiders, but again it was kind of one of those rare magic moments in technology. It's like there's a connection there between what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing and sort of the overall experience. Did it make you jump? I'm nodding. Yeah. It, it did make me jump a little bit because it's a shock. You don't expect it with technology. You're wearing a VR headset. You expect your senses to just be kind of what you're seeing mm. in like a, a three degrees of freedom experience or six degrees of freedom. You're looking around. You don't expect something to give you haptic feedback on your body. And that's my like, glove experience was, was incredible. When you're saying all of this, I'm sort of imagining a day where
1: you know, you put on your internet gloves, you pop Thank on you. your internet vest. Thank you. You've got your little internet glasses on. Um, I guess I'm just thinking about during lockdown, how desperately I wanted to hug my mum. And if you've got all of these things, I wonder whether we will find ourselves in a situation where potentially in the future, we can reach out and make physical contact with somebody through the internet.
0: Yeah, that, that would be like entirely possible. And stuff like that has been done before, more as a demo experience for what to expect from 5G. So some of these early examples showed a person being rugby tackled oh. by someone in a location miles away. And that was a haptic experience. So the person, the poor victim of that rugby tackle from a professional rugby player had that, the full <laughs> impact through that haptic, <laughs> through that internet vest. Yes. And that's how they sort of felt the experience. that transmission of force from the rugby player transmitted over 5G to the person in real time. So they could see it coming sort of through the video feed again. Real-time video, not with that second delay. It's real. As it's happening, you know when you're about to sort of have that impact. And it's just really exciting to kind of see that real-time transmission of data. 5G is going to get rid of that latency. It's near enough going to eliminate it to a point where you're not going to notice it.
1: Thank you very much, Luke. That was amazing.
2: Oh,
0: good. Thank you for having me. That
2: was really interesting. And I think, do you know what I'm going to say? I think Luke knows more than me about gaming. You know, (laughs) I think the jury's out. (laughs) It's all so exciting. Yeah. And I can see myself getting into this more and more
1: now, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. It's the idea of total immersion for me, I think. The idea that you sort of forget where you are, I think that's what's really appealing. I'm quite jealous. I might see if I can get myself a headset. Then we could
2: play together. Or? Why? Why have you got to do this? We're having a podcast. We're doing it having a nice time. <laughs> Look, let's just one step
1: at a time, Susie. So
2: <laughs> I just want to invite you to my virtual sofa and have a chat. So... You like the idea of complete immersion?
1: I think, yeah, the idea of being able to just lose yourself completely and forget where you are. I think that's kind of a nice idea.
2: So, Hannah, I have been thinking more and more about immersion. I'm quite interested in how it's going to happen. And now that I'm a gamer, I'm going to have to learn more and more about it, right? So I was chatting to one of my friends who is really into games, and he sent me this story. And it's about this guy called Mats Steen. And Matz uh, was a guy with muscular dystrophy and he was massively into World of Warcraft. It's a PC game and it's basically, you create an avatar and you go into a, another world, into another planet called Azeroth. And Mats did this and he created his character, he was a lord. And he created a number of characters actually and he said that each character was sort of a different part of his personality. And so Mats was part of this group called Starlight that had more than 30 members from across the globe. They kind of become a version of themselves, but who they kind of want to show the world, a version of themselves they want to be. So obviously in the physical world, he was in a wheelchair and he was limited somewhat, at least his physical life was limited somewhat. But in this other world, he could do anything. And so he had this wonderful community of friends and they'd log on every day and they'd play. And Matt's got quite ill in 2014 and, and very sadly he died. And when he died, his family sort of knew that they should probably get in touch with these people that he spends a lot of time online with to let these people know that, that, that Mats ha- had died. But his family were just inundated with in emails from people saying how much Mats meant to them. Mats' mum and dad always felt a bit worried that Mats wasn't really experiencing life. And these emails from people all across the world made them realise that he was experiencing a life that is different, sure, but that meant just as much to him as the physical world means to you and I. And I just want to share one quote with you that Matt's put in his blog about his life in Azeroth. He said, There, my handicap doesn't matter. My chains are broken and I can be whoever I want to be. Basically, that gaming is more than games.
1: Mm, more than just trivial pursuits. Exactly. Gaming sometimes has that reputation about people who want to isolate themselves away from other human connection. But actually, I think you're right that there are some times where that's really what it's about. It's about just a different environment in which you forge really important social bonds, in which you forge really important relationships with other people. Absolutely. All of these immersive worlds we're talking about so far, they require the use of a controller. Yes. Some kind of a controller. Maybe your movements, but still you are physically controlling something. Mm -hmm. So the question is... How do you feel about getting rid of that control altogether and instead, Susie, playing games with your mind?
2: I'll be honest, I feel kind of
1: terrified, but very excited. Well, OK, this is going to get weird. Bear with me. So it turns out that there is a thing that you can do to control cockroaches. So what you do is you get a cockroach and you put on a tiny little hat on the cockroach you have tiny little electrodes that go into the cockroach with very tiny little electrical impulses you can control the cockroach's movement so you can connect it up to a system that allows you to say turn left turn right cockroach is fine by the way it's quite happy runs around not a problem just wearing little hats and this is something that people have known about for quite a while but then in 2015 a group of engineering students in China, at the Shanghai Jiao Tong University. They realized that, hang on a second, you've got remote control cockroaches and you have mind control games. Why not combine the two together? So they have a cockroach wearing his little hat. The cockroaches also wear a little backpack so they can have a little battery and receive this signal. And meanwhile, you have someone with a type of headband. And then you stand there in a Zen-like state and imagine yourself going through an S-shaped maze. And then the cockroach follows what you're thinking. Now, what I like about this, okay, obviously this is mental and amazing. And equal parts uh, terrifying and disgusting. Yes. <laughs> equal parts impressive and terrifying. Um, But what I like about this idea is that why stop at one cockroach, you know? Why not have an entire army of cockroaches that you can stand in the centre of a room, maybe with your lightsaber, lift up your lightsaber, and they could all come running out and surround you like you were the emperor in front of an army. Stop looking at me like that. When
2: you say why not, I am thinking why. (laughs) Why do you want an army of cockroaches? I just think it would be fun. I just think think it would be fun. If everyone would be like, oh, don't invite Hannah to dinner, she's always bringing those cockroaches with her. Okay, I find it a little bit creepy and scary, Um, but I do like the idea of of tech for animals.
1: You know what though, okay, it is creepy and scary, I agree, but no one would ever want to fight you.
2: No, and no one ever would want to be your friend either, so you're not fighting anyone, but also you're having like a ready meal for one with all your cockroach mates.
1: I'm happy with my cockroach mates, that's fine. All right, alternative then, if you don't like armies of cockroaches. Did you know that you can get internet vests for dogs? I did not know this and I'm very interested. All right, so it's same idea. Okay. A dog wears a vest and the vest will buzz on one side or the other, telling the dog where to go. You can essentially control the movement of a dog in the same way that you can control the movement of a cockroach, just slightly less messy.
2: Okay, yeah, okay, I'm into that.
1: I mean, why would you want to do that, right? The actual reason why this has been created is this is a project by the Ben Gorin University in Israel. And the idea is that you put these vests on search and rescue dogs. So in an environment, perhaps there's been a natural disaster, maybe an earthquake, you have people perhaps who are trapped under buildings and need immediate attention. And it's easier for dogs to go in. Much easier. And, but also they have the smell, right? So right they, sure. So they've got the advantage and all of that. But perhaps there are helicopters overhead. Perhaps there are. Perhaps you know you're in a noisy environment, and so it's difficult for the dogs to hear their handlers. So in that situation, if the dog is wearing that vest, and the handler can have something like an Xbox controller that's giving the dog feedback about where it's going, actually suddenly you're you know you can search in environments that otherwise you wouldn't be able to.
2: That is amazing. It's
1: good, isn't it? It's really good. It's good. When it comes to disasters you have a very small window of time in which you can act. A very small window of time where it's absolutely crucial that you get to as many people as possible. And that is something that Christos Politis, who's a professor of wireless communications at the University of Kingston, was telling me about.
0: The first hour after an event, being a natural disaster, like an earthquake or a terrorist attack. is called the golden hour. So essentially, it is the most important time that uh, the emergency teams that attend the event need to act fast in order to save lives. So this is totally
1: standard. You know that if something bad happens, a disaster happens, you've got to get out there as quickly as possible. That's been true for for a long time. But the question is, what happens if uh, during that natural disaster, the Uh, communication networks get knocked out so let's say there's an earthquake you know um, the example that you gave uh how are people supposed to contact the emergency services if they if they're really in trouble if they're stuck their phones aren't working Yeah, yeah exactly um and it's not just if the natural disaster itself knocks out the communication network because there is actually another problem with mobile phone networks that happens during disasters
0: what created the need to to start this uh, project, it was actually the London bombings and the Madrid bombings in the tube in London and in overground train in Madrid. Everybody was very concerned and very scared, uh, obviously called back home to inform uh, relatives that they are fine. The network became incapacitated. As I, It's exactly the same thing like with a tsunami. You face the same problem there because there is no connectivity.
1: They already have these in America. So they already have swarms of drones plugged in, charged, ready to go. So that if there is a disaster, they can fly up over the affected area and create this, this wireless network. Very impressive idea. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But there are other ways that you can use drones and robots, in fact, in the case of a disaster. So there's one project in particular, which has a robot called the Talon Disaster Relief Robot. Um, they also have underwater robots. And what these can do in in the event of a disaster is they can go into a dangerous area, an area where humans would be putting themselves at risk to enter and can navigate what's there to get a sense of what's going on. So uh, Fukushima is a really great example of this. So during Fukushima, there were areas humans couldn't access. They sent in robots to go and assess the damage, to assess the situation. And
2: how would that work? Would that be someone controlling it wearing like a
1: VR headset? Yes, exactly that. So someone has an Xbox controller, they're wearing a VR headset. From the outside, it basically looks like they're playing a computer game but actually they are perhaps navigating some inhospitable areas of the Fukushima plant after the disaster. And I think the point about all of this is that if you have got drones, if you've got robots, if you've got dogs wearing uh, haptic vests, if you've got people desperately trying to contact their loved ones through a wireless uh, network, you've got a huge number of devices that need to be connected to a network at once. But you also, as Luke was saying earlier, you need that low latency, right? Your robots need to be able to react to you instantaneously. instantly yeah so i think with all of this having that network of drones going up and creating that 5g network actually makes all of this possible i mean it's sort of possible now but it's a bit clunky wouldn't work quite well but i think with all of this stuff you need this massive number of devices to be able to connect simultaneously to a network
2: so they can get in robots, they can get help to people that need it, and, and so that people can connect with their loved ones. Exactly. You know, when a terrorist attack or a natural disaster happens,
1: you, of course, the first thing you want to do is let your, your family and your friends know that you're okay. Of course it is, totally. So this stuff is just about possible now with 4G. You can sort of have robots going into a place, but it just doesn't quite work well. Bit clunky. I? Bit clunky. So I think that those series of drones that can go up in the sky and create this instantaneous 5G network, as Christos Melites was talking about, I think that really is going to be a game changer.
2: One thing I was really interested in was VR being used for exposure therapy. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, so you basically can wear a VR headset and you can get exposure to things that you're scared of in a virtual world so that when you're in a physical world, you're not as scared of them. So this is being used at the moment for PTSD and for phobias.
1: Are you going to make me wear a VR headset and be exposed to the things I don't like?
2: Before we decide what we're going to
1: do, what are you scared of? Oh, no. Um, okay, I am not a big fan of spiders. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say I've got proper arachnophobia, but I mean, they're pretty creepy and I don't like them. What Cockroaches, don't you... fine. Some of your best friends are cockroaches. <laughs> Absolutely right. But no, not spiders.
2: What don't you like about them? The way they move. yeah. What I don't like is they always look like they're in a hurry. like, where are you going? What, what have you got to do? What have you got on? Oh, I don't know. You're right. going to meet your friends and then bring them to my house?
1: I think it's more the slow crawl of a tarantula that freaks the hell out of me.
2: Oh, so I'm scared of that. I'm scared of heights. Mm-hmm. Don't like heights. Mm-hmm. Scared of falling forward. Yeah. Um, and I'm scared of the dark.
1: You're scared of the dark?
2: I'm scared of the dark.
1: I don't think that a VR experience which exposes you to the dark, is going to be particularly interesting. OK, I'm not
2: convinced, that, I'm, not convinced I'm getting over my phobia of, of darkness today. <laughs> but that does sound like you're up for it, which is great, because I've invited Mike Ward from the London Anxiety Clinic to come down and do some aversion therapy with us. Are you up for it? Yeah, go on then. Can I ask you again and can you sound a bit more
3: keen? OK, fine, let's do it.
2: Hello, Mike. Hello. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us. No,
3: you're welcome. Thank you for the invitation.
2: So could you tell us a little bit about what you do?
3: Yeah, so I'm a psychotherapist. I specialise in the treatment of anxiety. That includes lots of practical techniques to do with anxiety. So we're using the body to communicate to the brain as well as the thoughts and things.
1: But this is all one step on from that. So it's now Mm. not just using the body itself, but
3: technology. Yeah, definitely. It's a big part of it. So like the virtual reality kit. Is a sense that just becomes part of the therapeutic process. Do you find that it makes a difference? So what we're looking at with virtual reality therapy is to, within the safety of a therapy room, is to trigger the fear response.
1: So
2: doing it virtually before doing it physically, yeah. basically. Yeah. So, so you're prepared for it, in a way.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we're preparing the mind. So we're exposing the mind to the particular trigger and the stimulus.
2: This is all so interesting. But you know what I'm going to want to do? I want to try it. You want to give it a go? Yeah, so <laughs> Hannah was saying earlier that she's scared of spiders. Right. What do you think, mate? Well, are you mate? scared of heights? I'm, I'm, I'm scared of everything. Okay, cool. <laughs> All of that sounds right. kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what we're looking at at the moment is on Mike's phone, I can see a pretty big spider. It takes up a big portion of the screen just crawling. It's yeah, doing this, it does.
3: It's doing the creepy crawling thing. So what some clients do is they put the phone just up inside their wrist. <laughs> If you'd like to do that, so you just tuck the phone there. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> I think you can so do it. So if you it. just lay your hand like that. Oh,
1: no, you're going to do it to me. Oh, hang yeah, on. Yeah, so. Right.
3: And then if you just hold your cuff up a little bit, okay, and go I can on just then. reach your arm's length. So I'm genuinely a little bit freaked <laughs> <prinker>? you? <laughs> so what I would suggest, Hannah, is just to sort of probably look away at the beginning. Look at me. Okay. And just get used to the phone. I know it's just a phone. No, it's on just, your just hand. a phone.
1: It's just a phone. It's just
3: a phone. Go it's on. just a phone. Yeah. You're ready. So if you. Looking. At- <laughs> I nearly dropped it. Then, (laughs) go on then. Okay, so if you place yeah, just a phone. Yeah, if you place your cuff over that, just a phone. It's just a phone. So it's just a phone, and then just peripherally, sort of gently look down towards (laughs) me.
2: No, come on. That's really horrible. Is it? (laughs) Do you think? Okay, I'm. I'm really interested. It's It's definitely your I'm really interested in the VR.
3: Right. Okay. So just sort of get used to the headset. Have a look around. What I'm going to do now? I'm just going to Bring the um, the lift to you. So you'll start off on the ground floor. Yeah. So this this lift does have a glass bottom to it. Oh, okay. And glass sides to it. Yeah. And there's 99 floors in total.
2: Oh, that's quite high. So it's
3: nice and high.
2: Yeah.
3: Do you have a specific fear of heights?
2: Yeah, I don't like them massively.
3: Okay. So would you want to go up just a couple of floors just to see what it's like? let's
2: let's go up a few floors.
3: So pop me up. There's one to 99. What would you like to do?
2: I'll tell you what, let's start about. Sixty.
3: Sixty. Yeah. So it's quite high. Now, do you want the door open or closed?
2: Oh no, let's keep it closed. Okay. Don't get silly. Ooh. What can you see? Okay, so I'm over. A, I'm over a town. I'm going up quite high. Uh, there's a garden below me. Oh my god!
3: So you can see the digits changing on the right hand yep. side. Oh
1: yeah. Does it feel easier now you're higher up? It's when I look down <laughs> that it's. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, that feels.
2: Quite real! It feels quite real, yeah, it does feel quite real.
1: <laughs> what you can't see is the completely hilarious view that I have right now of Susie wearing a VR headset, testing delicately the floor in front of her.
3: So, would you like to just, walk? just not sure if it's real um, or not.
1: Yeah, I'll walk,
2: I'll walk out.
3: You want to walk? Okay, so hold on for a moment. I'll open the door.
2: Okay. Oh, yeah.
3: And then, so before you do anything, I was just going put a plank outside the lift. Okay. Okay with that? Yeah. So you're just going to be looking at it. Okay. So before you take any steps. Yeah. Before you do it, are you wanting to take a step out on it? Yep, yep, I want to. So we're just going to go a quarter of the way out. So if you take a step forward.
2: Oh, that's a long way down.
3: What's it like if you look back towards the lift?
2: Oh yeah, that is quite scary. What can you see? (laughs) what can I see? I can see the world below me, and me plummeting to my death hand, and that's what I can see.
3: (laughs) So you're on the way down?
2: Yes, let's go. Oh God, I feel like I'm going to hit the floor.
3: And then I'll open the door for you.
2: Can I take it off?
3: You can do, yeah.
2: Is that fine? Yeah, like it's, um, I can totally see how it's you feel heart rate coming yeah, up? Yeah, you feel like fight or flight, yeah. definitely.
3: Yeah, it's about making different meaning. To the stimulus, so the way you might be thinking about it, the way you might be visualising it on the inside, and the way you feel as though you've got control over that stimulus.
2: Yeah, and I that's exactly what happened when yeah. I was. When I felt because I was telling you how fast to go up in the lift, and I was telling you how much I wanted to walk out, I felt in complete control, yeah. even though I did feel quite scared, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you may have noticed from some of my screams. Well, just
1: a little. It's okay though. What an amazing use of some very clever technology.
2: Yeah, it really is. Thanks so much for coming in, Mike. You're welcome, and thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Well, that's all that we have time for this week.
2: It's been a great episode. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. So we had VR gaming, we had disaster relief, we had cockroaches you control with your mind. We certainly did. And we had aversion therapy. I can't wait to stand on the roof. I'm ready for that.
1: Yeah, I think I, I learned more about aversion therapy than I think I ever needed to know. Anyway, of course, this podcast wouldn't be any good without the brilliant experts and guests. So a huge thank you to everyone that we spoke to this week. And thank you to you, Hannah Fry. And thank you to you, Susie Ruffell.
2: And thanks to everyone at Samsung for supporting this podcast. Do join us next time on... Whatever next.